The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. I also said, as we were talking about uh, God being with us in the valley, Emmanuel being with us in the valley, and we focus on that, um, I also talked about the idea that if we don't know Jesus, when we come to the end of our own strength, we're out. But when we know Jesus, we come to our end of our own strength, and we have his strength. We talked about that a little bit. I have um, mentioned this before, but there is a time, I would say every week, at least pretty much every week, when I sit down, it is usually on Sunday morning, and I'm just taking one more look at my sermon, and I, uh, I think about the task of teaching the Word of God and God's truth to the hearts of men. And I, I don't know, Mark, if you ever hit this, but I just think, I got nothing. I cannot do that. And I hit that, like I said, pretty much, it's usually on Sunday morning. This week, it hit me yesterday. I just thought I am at the end of my strength. Uh, I, <laughs> I got nothing. Francis and I were taking a little walk in the snow last night and praying, and I was really just like, God, help me. Uh, I didn't feel like I had it. But uh, so I was gonna, just going to ask that we take just a moment, and, and you pray that uh, God's Word would just be so clear and evident, uh, the truth that He wants us to have today, that His Spirit would minister powerfully in our lives today, and that would be open for that, that, if you would bow with me in that. Our Father, yes, God, very simply, the task of the lies before me this morning is beyond my ability completely. It always is, Lord, and, and I'm foolish when I think otherwise. We need Your Spirit. We need the power of his teaching ministry in our lives this day. We need the power of his comforting ministry in our lives today. We need, we need you. <laughs> so, you know, we just sang, I, I speak the name of Jesus over this service, Lord, and I pray that you be glorified, that you be present in a way that is inescapable to us, I pray in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, we had, a few weeks ago, we had a little gathering of our elders, and I was going to share a little bit of a conversation that we had there. Now, you know me, I don't like to mention people's names in public and embarrass them, so I'm not going to tell you it was Jim Miscavige and Dennis Hartzell having this conversation. It wasn't an argument. It was just kind of a little debate going back and forth, and it started, I think Dennis said something about Mayberry. I don't know where the, the, the topic of Mayberry came up. And, uh, and we began, of course, Dennis is in my generation, and he began to uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, the good old days, you know, and how things were and how everybody was happy. Of course, anytime you have the Mayberry conversation about happiness, uh, the joke comes up, too, that, uh, you know, the reason why everybody was happy is because everybody was single. Have you ever heard that? Uh, I don't believe that at all. That's not right. But Andy and Barney and all the only the only married guy on there was Otis, the town drunk. But uh, uh, but we had that little conversation, and and uh, Dennis was kind of like, you know, don't you kind of long for you know some of that, you know, in the simpler times? And and Jim pointed out, and I think accurately, he said, you know, that's fictional. 
<laughs> you do know uh, that doesn't really exist. And we got talking a little bit about, okay, are times worse now than they were before? You know, the good old days, longing for that. And Jim, I think, pointed out wisely. He said, okay, you know, yes, we have some hard times, but we've always had storms and heartaches, and we've always had, you know, plagues and war and different things like that. Is it really worse? He just kind of raised that question. And, and I think wisely, because really when you look even at those that we read about in Scripture and the lives that they face and the persecution and everything like that, we understand that hardships have that's what Jesus said. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. Uh, and there are those hardships. Now, on the other hand, Dennis pointed out, and I also think uh, had a very good point with this. He was just talking about, but as you look at this world, he said, can't you clearly see how a lot of these things that we've looked at, that the Bible has talked about, the end times, if you will, can't you clearly see how they could happen? It's a little bit more easy. Uh, th those are more easily to see, hey, yeah, that could happen. Now, they could always happen. God said they could. But now you look at it and you say, okay, I can kind of see where that would happen. And we were talking about that a little bit. And, and I just, you know, looking at that whole idea of, hey, we're, uh, <laughs> let's be honest, when we got to the end of 2020, everybody was like, yes, it's over. Here comes 2021. And now we're at the end of 2021, moving into 22. And we're a little bit like, I'm a little scared. <laughs> I don't know exactly what's coming down the pipe here, you know, like, like that. And as I thought about all this and just our world and, and debated that, I thought one thing is for sure, I have incredible job security. Now, not necessarily pay security. I don't know if that will always be there. But the job of sharing the Word of God, the job of preaching God's truth, and the anchor that people need is going to be more real than ever as we move forward. And, uh, you know, that I, that I get that task, that I get each week to open up the Word of God and say, hey, thus saith the Lord, and to proclaim His message. So we're going to begin 22 very much with an emphasis on the Word of God. And as I thought about that, the first chapter of the Scriptures that came to mind that I wanted to look at was kind of right in the middle of the Bible. I, I took, uh, put a marker here, get my concordance out of there. Right in the middle is the longest chapter of the Bible. I don't know if you knew that trivia question or not. What's the longest chapter in the Bible? It has 176 verses, and the average number of verses in a Bible chapter is 24. So 176 verses. It is divided up by the Hebrew alphabet, kind of in little sections. They label it like that. I would go through and pronounce some of those for you, but I can't. <laughs> I'm not very good with my Hebrew sounds. With my <laughs> sound. You have to kind of go... <laughs> A lot. Not too, too good with that uh, as you go through. But the one we're going to look at today is actually kind of the equivalent of the English M that we're going to look at one, one section in Psalm 119. And man, by the way, while we're on Bible trivia, what is the shortest chapter in the Bible? Anybody? No, that's the shortest verse. Uh, shortest chapter. John 3. Not even close, babe. Um, <laughs> It is Psalm 117. It's just two chapters before. It has only two verses. So Psalm 117 has two verses, and then Psalm 119 is the longest. And we are going to look at a part of that. Uh, excited to dig into that today. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin by reading through this one section of the song, and then talk just for a little bit, and then we're going to go back and really kind of dissect and look at this. Because uh, one of the main ideas I just want us to think about is the psalmist. By the way, in Psalm 119, this, we're not sure of who the psalmist is, but he writes... Oh, how I love your law, exclamation point. 
Okay, this is, this is uh, try to capture his passion here. He doesn't say, I kind of, yeah, the Word of God, I appreciate. He says, oh, how I love your law. He said, it is my meditation all the day. Your commandments, by the way, throughout Psalm 119, you'll find the Word of God referred to in many different words. It's called precepts, commandments, statutes, uh, the law, uh, the Word. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. And I have more understanding than all my teachers. We'll come back and dissect that. I know that sounds a little cocky there. Uh, your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from evil so it impacts my life in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules for you have taught me how sweet, here he goes again, how sweet are your words to my taste, okay? I, I, my mouth waters for your word. Sweeter than honey to my mouth, exclamation point. I'm so passionate about my love for your word. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Now, we're, again, we're going to go back and work our way through that in a second, but I would like you to think about this with me here for a second. There are a couple ideas that um, initially when you think about it and you hear these words, it's like, ah, I don't really want to go here as far as church is concerned, okay? When we got, start talking about rules, there are very few people that are like, hey, hey all right, we're going we're gonna to hit some rules today. Uh, we're going to talk about the law. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I want. You know, that's really being encouraging. I was thinking about the rules idea. I have, you know, we're playing some games Christmas week here, and I thought about having to get out the rules. You know, how much fun that is. Hey, why don't we just take a little time and sit around and look at the rules? Uh, we like to just kind of make them up as we go. Instead, you know, this whole idea of rules and law is not appealing. In fact, I think we could say, that for a lot of us, it, it actually steers us away sometimes from the faith. Now, now, here's what I mean by that. We have experienced some things like, for example, this word right here, okay? In its truest form, this is dreadful because what it really means, it has to do with the idea of somebody that is thinking that I can keep the law of God and therefore I will earn my salvation. I will earn my acceptance with God. And somehow I can be good enough, and it throws out what the Bible teaches very plainly that what the Bible does is, it, I'm sorry, what the law does is it shows us that we have need of a Savior and draws us to Him in that way. It is not ever, it was never intended that I could keep the whole law of God and therefore earn my favor with God. It throws out the whole idea of God's grace that we praise Him for and we sing about. So in its truest form, most of us reject that idea. But then many of you have been in a situation where still, even though I understand that my salvation is a gift of God by grace, um, the rules and the laws have become my identity as far as my Christian life goes. In other words, I am defined by what I do and what I don't do. And basically, I go to church so somebody can tell me some things I shouldn't do and some things that I should do like that. And that's really what it all becomes about. And I think for a lot of us, I don't know how to say this, we got burned by this. We got burned by that whole thinking, you know, like that. So therefore, when, when somebody starts talking about the law, when somebody starts talking about rules, we reject that idea. What has happened in a lot of cases is Christians have wisely constructed fences in their life. Now, let me kind of explain this. The Bible says in James chapter 1 that every man uh, falls into sin when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. But basically what it says is there is temptation that is matched up with my nature 
And then if I follow through on that, I end up in sin, and that sin leads to death. I want to avoid death, so therefore I want to avoid sin. Uh, And therefore, however, what we also then wisely do sometimes is we put up fences in our life so that I will avoid temptation. But what has happened sometimes in Christianity is we've taken those fences that people put up and we have equated them with the Word of God. For example, uh, I've mentioned to some of you about a couple months ago, I decided that uh, I was done with Facebook. Okay, now here's the thing. I'm not preaching against Facebook. Facebook is still used by our church. It's a wonderful tool for sharing truth uh, that a lot of people have used. However, for me, for Dan, it was a first-class pain in that, first of all, I I was wasting too much time on it. Uh, Secondly, I was listening to different people argue about stupid things or reading people, and I was getting mad. And thirdly, I was absorbing a lot of the negative along with a lot of the positive, and it just wasn't good for me, and I decided I'm going to cancel my Facebook account. Okay, Now, for me to do that was a smart thing to do. I put up a fence that would keep me from temptation, that would keep me from sin. However, you will notice I did not come in here and say, now all of you need to cancel your Facebook accounts. Okay? And and kind of play that out, because some of you have seen that happen in Christianity, where what happens is somebody says, okay, this is a rule that I need to stay away from temptation, and it becomes like the law of the church, the rules. And you've seen that, and it it kind of drives you crazy. And then also... Uh, in many cases, we feel like our church has developed an attitude that is very unwelcoming to sinners. I mentioned uh, being here for a funeral one day. There was a guy hanging around the corner outside, so I went out and said, hey, we're getting ready to start. You come in. He said, oh, I can't go into church. He said, as soon as I walk in there, I'll burst into flames. Now, as much as I wanted to see that, uh, I thought, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, I was pretty sure that that wouldn't happen, but I also thought how sad it is that somebody, because of sin, feels like they're, I mean, think about the whole ministry of Jesus Christ. Sinners were not repelled from Jesus Christ. They were drawn to him. You know, so if we've created a church that repels people, says, go away if you're sinful, and we've created that type of atmosphere where we ooze self-righteousness and we, we ooze that we're about rules and laws so much that nobody wants to come. we got a little mess on our hands, and we've promoted this one-size-fits-all Christianity that is, uh, you know, that honestly, if you play through this and think through this, everybody has to be like me and follow my direction, and everybody has to fit in the same mold that I do for spirituality. And I I really don't think that's healthy for us either, just from the standpoint of even parents think for a moment about your relationship with your children. They are different. Therefore, there are some differences in the relationship and everything like that. And I believe that many of us, there are some differences in our relationship to God and the path that he has us on and the place that he has us, everything like that. But we kind of create this one-size-fits-all. Here is what a good Christian looks like, and we become defined by our rules and our laws and everything like that. Okay, now, obviously, we want to avoid this type of thinking. And for many of you, like I said, you look at it and you have been burned by it. So what we do is that we reject the law of God. Sometimes we, we can move that way. And we see any element of divine command and we look at it and we think of it as a return to legalism. So in other words, the pastor stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, and ah, he's a legalist. 
He's moving that way. So what I would encourage us to do as we look again at Psalm 119 is look at this man who loves the Word of God. Let's look at why he loves the Word of God, that, that he is writing these things, and understand this idea. And, and read this with me for a second. Digest this idea. Whoops. Wait a minute. Did you really mean that? I do. If you think about it, Jesus was the great law keeper. The Bible says he didn't come to destroy the law, but he said, I came to fulfill the law. Nobody is a better example of how to f- obey God's will. Nobody than Jesus Christ. To obey him, to obey his word, to obey his will. He, was, he submitted to it perfectly in every way. So a lot of times we're like, yeah, I don't want to think about the law and the rules of church. All I want to do is talk about Jesus. Well, hey, if you're going to talk about Jesus, you're going to talk about the one who is the great law keeper. You're going to talk about the, uh, uh, the example that he set in obeying God's word. So we want to be cautious about those things, you know, that we talked about before, the legalistic tendency and devi- defining our relationship with God by the rules that we keep and everything like that, and we want to stay away from that, but what we do not want to do is separate, uh, I'm sorry, substitute the inclinations of my heart for the law of God. In other words, basically, I get to determine what's right and wrong. Uh, I don't want to really think about the rules, so therefore, I am the one that is setting the rules, uh, and if something makes me happy, it must be right, and everything then that I think about becomes justified. Everything that I want to do, I figure out a way to justify it. And when you think about the importance of laws, think about traffic situation, okay? Have you ever been to a, we'll say, a less developed country? Uh, I can remember trying to get out of the airport at uh, Guatemala, and we ran into the same thing in Nicaragua. And the, uh, the traffic laws are a little sketchy. And the chaos abounds, Okay, some of you know what I'm talking about. There's different countries in Africa and everything like that you visit, and the, the traffic is just insane because the laws aren't clear. Uh, and really, you know, I think of it in America as I still don't think, you know, three-quarters of Americans at least have any idea what the rules are about roundabouts. First of all, do not stop at the roundabout if nobody's there. But anyway, that's, uh, uh, that's my major pet peeve in life. Uh, but, uh, but even just sometimes n- n- negotiating, you know, because, okay, is this, is this, am I allowed to go straight out of this lane or did I have to turn? And I got honked at pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that was my fault. I think he was having a bit. She thinks it was. But I still don't think it was mine. Uh, but I thought I was in the lane that went straight. And maybe, maybe I wasn't like that. But you, you think about the importance of having the laws and stuff like that. This is also from Psalm 119 back in verse number 45, it writes, I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. Okay, because of your law, because of your precepts, I have sought those, I've tried to follow them, so I walk in a wide place. Well, what does that mean? I have freedom, and freedom is found in obedience to him and following his precepts. So that, you know, that's the message that comes through here. So as much as I want to be careful that I am not all about uh, you know, rule-keeping 101, at the same time, there is definitely reason to love the Word of God. Uh, and let us look as we go back and consider uh, the passage that we looked at. Let us figure out what some of those reasons are to love the Word of God. The first the re- reason that I want to point out is I love the Word of God because of its source. And very simply state it, it is the Word of God. It is His Word to me. And therefore, I want to love it. Um, I'm not uh, too sentimental, and I'm not real good about saving things. That's probably an understatement, things that are important. I have one letter that my wife wrote me that will always 
it, it has a, it's, it's in a safe spot. I'm not ever going to get rid of it. Uh, but occasionally, you know, she'll write me some nice notes, and I keep them for a while. I hold on to them. But then eventually I think, okay, I'm done. I'm getting rid of it. Now, I have learned to hide those when I get rid of them. If they show up on the top of the trash, not a good thing. Uh, for somehow it says, hey, I wrote you that. I cared about you. And, and uh, you know, I wrote you this nice note, and you're just chucking it out there. I'm like, that was five years ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, my, my tender heart there. But, the, but this is the love letter from my wife. You know, if I just disregard it, you know, and she's written me these kind words, I just disregard it. It's no big deal. This is the writing of God to me. Okay, so therefore, I want to love it, first of all, because of the source. Overlapping a little bit with that is my second idea, and that is, oh, I'm sorry, I wanted to mention this, this verse, too, also from Psalm 119. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold. He says, I value it. I love it more than I love my bank book. Okay, I love your word more than anything. Uh, the second idea that does overlap some, not only do I love it because of the source, I love it because of the substance of the word of God. If it is viewed, I don't think it's wrong to view the Word of God as somewhat of an owner's manual because God created us and He wrote that and He chose us how to operate. But if it is viewed only as an owner's manual, again, I want you to think about the joy of reading the owner's manual over and over again. Okay? Sit down with that now. There might be a couple people in here. I won't mention any names that you're kind of weird and you probably would like reading the owner's manual over and over again. But that's not normal. Uh, for most of us, that's the last resort. First of all, I try to break it on my, I mean, I try to fix it on my own. Uh, secondly, I, uh, you know, if it worse comes to worse, I YouTube. Uh, you know, is there, is there a way to fix this that somebody will just explain it to me and talk me through it? Uh, thirdly, I call out for help. And then fourthly, I might get out the owner's manual. Oh, yeah, I have that somewhere. We don't really love the owner's manual idea. So if we only see the Word of God as the owner's manual, this instruction guide for my life, perhaps our love is not as great as it should be. But when we understand it to be also God's love letter to us, when we understand that His laws are his, and His commands are for our good because He loves us, if we can embrace that and understand that this is God communicating His love to me. God is love. This is his word. It is love. It may not always fit my definition of love or, or what I think uh, you know, it's supposed to look like, but it is love. And if I approach it as, uh, you know, I understand that and look at the substance of it. You know, something else about the substance of the word of God that I think is very important that we hold on to also some, from the 119th Psalm. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in heavens. The following verses confirm, uh, reinforce that idea that God's word is eternal. God's word is stable. And when we talk about uncertain times, we talk about the importance of having that anchor, having something fixed in the word of God, how crucial that is. And um, I just want you to um, think with me for a second of how important it is that we have something that is fixed. Because we live in a world where morals are ever-changing. Morality is being redefined all the time. Truth is being redefined all the time. And we love that the Word of God is fixed and stable. If I could illustrate, and honestly, this comes from no maliciousness, but I'm watching the news one day this week, and the story is about this woman, um, Maxwell. I, I never figured out how to announce, pronounce her first name, but uh, you know, she's accused of pedophilia, and, and to say the least. You know, basically, and I, and I, my first thought is, you know, well, yeah, everybody, everybody knows that that's wrong. Okay, I don't think that, you know, you, you have to be really twisted. Oh, no, abusing children, 
That's all right. You know, it's whatever you feel. Yeah, it got to be really twisted. I think our culture firmly establishes that that is something that is wrong. But if you think about our culture, how far it has moved from what God says, and how God describes sex as something that is to be uh, monogamous, it is to be heterosexual, monogamous, relationship that is to be enjoyed within marriage. That's how God defines it. How far has our society changed from that? So you say, well, we'll never change where pedophilia is acceptable. I certainly hope you're right. But it scares me a little bit. I normally, somebody says, will you take a few minutes and fill out a survey at the end of our phone call? I normally say, no, sorry. I just don't feel like it. Uh, But some lady was particularly helpful to me from Bright House Financials this week. Uh, and uh, And she said, would you take a few minutes to fill out a survey? And I said, sure. And she said, okay. I thought somebody was going to come on. They emailed it to me later, and I got the survey. Sadly, I only made it to question three on the survey. I didn't, get, I didn't finish the whole thing. Question one, no problem. My name, I was all over that. I didn't even have to think about it or look it up. I was all over it. Uh, second one was my age. I was at least close enough with that. I could put that in there. But the third question was from my gender. <laughs> you say, that confused you? Yeah, it did. Uh, because there was about nine choices on there, and I didn't recognize any of them that fit me. Uh, you say, well, you have some problems. Yes, uh, perhaps I do. But what I found out later is that I now would, uh, on this survey, would identify as a cis male. I don't know if you've heard of this or not, C-I-S male, which is somebody that identifies as the same thing that they were bi- biologically born as. I didn't know that. I, didn't, I, I was just like, I don't see my category here. Uh, like that, I was a little afraid to mark something I wasn't sure about. Uh, you know, I don't know what I got done. So I never did finish, finish the survey. But, and, you know, but I just, you watch man continue to redefine things. And like I said, our culture is going to do that all the time. They're going to redefine morality. They're going to redefine truth and everything like that. Oh, how we need the source, the Word of God that stays fixed, the anchor that we hold to. Oh, how I love it because it is unchanging. Oh, how I love it because of the strategy that it provides. You remember in there, the author wrote, and he said, because I meditate in your word, because I spend time in your word, he said, uh, I, first of all, I'm, I'm wiser than my enemies. Folks, the word of God, the truth of God, the people of God are always going to have enemies. He says, but because I meditate in your word, because I stay in your word, I've got them beat. Uh, even my teachers, and again, not to disrespect, there are people that know more in plenty of different areas than me, but, but here's the thing. When I have the Word of God, which introduces me to Jesus, and I have the Word of God, uh, which guides me into all truth and shepherds me in that way, there is a sense in which I am always going to be smarter than those who don't know that God even exists or, or won't accept that He exists. I'm always going to have them beat. And then he even mentions in there that he felt that he was smarter than the aged. And I got thinking about this. As much as we love the wisdom that comes with age, if somebody has just continued to pour falsehoods into their life for a longer period of time and believes those things, they're not necessarily smarter because they're older. To be real honest with you, we're smarter because uh, we have the Word of God, which introduces us well to the Son of God. And man's teachings no matter how wise they are, cannot advance the soul as the teachings of the Word of God. So I have a great advantage going forward. But at the end of our text, he went in and he said, okay, wait a minute. Uh, yes, I love it. Incredible. It's, it's honey to my lips. He said, I long for it. My mouth waters for the Word of God. And he says, because of that, because I walk in your precepts, I'm going to hate that which is evil. Now, 
Again, we oh, now here we go. Here we go with this self-righteous bit again. Here we go with the church that, oh, you know, why are you going to hate that which is evil? But he says, because I love your word, I'm going to hate that which is evil. And how much we want to ask God. And, and you know, I was going to show you this earlier. I forgot. Um, you, some of you remember, I kind of cle- cleared out. Mark, I don't know if you noticed, my office has no books. Maybe the only pastor in North America. I have a slinky, no books. Uh, I have a desk, no books. Uh, but a while ago, I decided, you know, most of those books I just never look at anymore. It's all online, and I use that, and I thought someday my kids are going to curse me when they have to clean out my office when I croak. So uh, I'm just going to get rid of it ahead of time. And uh, so we've kind of farmed most of it out. I held on to about 20 different books that God has really used in my life. This one, I'm going to guess nobody in here has ever heard of because... I never talked to anybody who's ever heard of it. But there was a time in my life when uh, somebody shared this with me, probably somebody who saw some things in my life, but it's called Extreme Righteousness. And it says, seeing ourselves in the Pharisees. Seeing yourself in the Pharisees. And I remember as I went through this, God's whole, uh, God was just like, boom, uh, that's you, boom, that's you. Uh, you are a whole lot more like a Pharisee than you are like Jesus. And, you know, and, 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 and he pointed, pointed that out to me over and over again. And I think we need to continue to pray to God, God, don't let me. There, there's such a tendency in our lives when we do what, what is right to look at other people who are not doing what we're doing and, uh, and condemn everybody and, and get self-righteous. There's such a gravitation towards that. We like to control everything about ourselves and forget that we are righteous only because of the grace of God. We like to think that we're wonderful because of our own doing and therefore we kind of uh you know build ourselves up and 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 want to really claim to our righteousness so as we think about this whole idea yes indeed a love for the word of god is going to produce a hatred for for evil and i want to hate the things that destroy the people i love i do i want to hate them uh, i mean i want i want to despise these things that are coming into the world how much we need the Word of God. I want to close with just a little testimony, uh, if I may. Um, yesterday morning, you know, January 1st, uh, I am a, uh, what would we call it? I'm a resolution type of guy. I like to have something. Okay, New Year, here we go. I uh, like that. Some people are like, oh, that's silly. Why just one day a year? I get that. I understand all that. I am also a, I call myself a, a uh, what's it called Fat Tuesday type of guy. If I understand right, the Fat Tuesday idea is before you start into Lent, you you go crazy. I'm kind of like that. Like you know, tomorrow I'm giving out Pepsi. You know, so I've hooked myself up with a Pepsi IV the day before, uh, and just get as much as I can. I know that you say that's really dumb. Yes, it is. It's really dumb. But I'm kind of like that on different things where you know I'll kind of splurge on the things that I know I'm going to stop the next day. You know and. Uh, I don't think it's logical. I'm not recommending that, but I, I kind of do that. But there were some things that I was actually kind of looking forward to that uh, were like, these are my new projects for the year. So I was coming in here. I knew, you know, the building would be empty. I got to sit by myself and just write down some different things about the year. And I wanted to write in my journal for a while. And I wanted to write down some of the different goals and the different projects I'm going to work on this year. I was pretty pumped about that. I was pretty excited about that. And I got a couple of different, actually, they came on the way here. I got to the parking lot. I read a couple of different texts that, I don't know how to say this, they just kicked me in the gut. Um, you know, it was kind of like, and forgive this illustration, but this came to mind. It's kind of like 2022 said to 2021, hold my beer here. Uh, I, got, I got even more. You know, and I really was, was kind of floored by that whole idea. And, it, and uh, I started to write in my journal then, and I just wrote, dear Lord, help. 
<laughs> this, was, this isn't how I envisioned today. But uh, one of the things that I had envisioned is we've had these books out in the, in the lobby to encourage folks to get, get uh, a little bit more into the Word of God this year. Two of them are still there, the, uh, the day, day by day reading and the, uh, and the devotional guide. Uh, this one actually, I, I snatched up the last copy yesterday. I can get more or you can order them. It's called Jesus Day by Day. But it is a guide through Scripture, and I had planned on starting this yesterday. So I, I was kind of floored, but then I thought, okay, here goes. And I, uh, the reading yesterday was Genesis 1 and 2, and uh, some thoughts about that and just thoughts about the Word of God that kind of fit with that and the power of God and that God is the creator and that God is the giver of life and that God is the sustainer of life. That's in His hands. And I, I can't say that when I read that, all of a sudden I started skipping around the office. Truth is, I even more fell on my face. But I prayed to the God. And, and, and I wrote in my journal probably six or seven times over and over again, you are God. You are God. You are God. It's like I had to tell myself that over, over again. Things don't depend on me. Things don't depend on doctors, things don't, and I'm not saying God doesn't use these things, but I'm saying ultimately, God, you are in control. And again, I'm not suggesting that I magically got up, skipped through the hallways, and everything was good. But throughout the day, I continued to go back to your God. I bow before the creator of the universe, the one who spoke life into existence, the one who, the one who gave breath. So we have some friends who are struggling so mightily with that right now. God, you are the one who gives that. And even though, again, my heart was still heavy, you know, even though, though it's the weight, weight upon me, I thought, God, I need, I needed that truth. I need it as an anchor. Hey, the storm's still blowing. Okay, we're not out in jail. I'm not out today even enjoying the sunshine and the sailboat. But in the storm, I need the anchor of your truth in my life. I need the Word of God. Back in November, you know, we were in a meeting, and good thing we have some elders who think for me sometimes. says, What's, uh, what are we looking at for 2022? Would we have any type of theme, any type of goal? And I thought, oh, yeah, that's coming, isn't it? Uh, somebody needs to be thinking about that. And as I did, even over the next few days, the one thing that just I felt like God said is, we need the word. We need the word. We need that anchor. We need that which is stable. And listen, listen, folks, I, I've said this before. When, when people look at church and they say, I'm tired of church, I hear this often, uh, not personally, and then I hear it, you know, in different circles, everything like that. I love God, but I don't love His church. I don't love His people. I've said this before. I understand that. I really do. I mean, as, as we go back through our lives, you know, my wife and I could say, hey, we have been disillusioned by God's people many times. The guy that performed our wedding, you know, ran off with a church housekeeper. We have a bunch of different stories like that. The people of God have disappointed. But so I find myself saying sometimes, I love you, God, but I don't love your bride, which is flawed like that. And I've mentioned that because there's part of me that wants to say, okay, yeah, let's all just go follow God and we don't need each other. But I would be totally going against what Scripture teaches. 
I really believe that, so I can't do it. I get the same thing about the Word of God. And what I mean is, I understand when somebody says, hey, I, I've struggled with the Word of God, I've struggled with this, or I've struggled reading it, or I ran into some difficulty. I get that, but at the same time, this is one of those things I cannot get away from. I cannot get away from this idea that we need the Word of God. Okay? And, I, and I hope I never do. I hope I continue, you know, through my life to push people more into the Word of God. Yes, there are some places where you struggle. That's why I recommend uh, that, you know, you get the help where you can with it and, gui and, and guidance like that. But I think so much we need the Word of God. We, we get so bombarded with lies. We get so bombarded with deception. We need the anchor. We need the truth that is the Word of God. Okay? So I, I just I plead earnestly with you. Find that anchor. And hold on to that anchor. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.